Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. Zach, man, so sorry you couldn't be in Atlanta this past weekend. Yeah, <laughs> I, Atlanta, I'm, are you guys okay? Like, I've seen some pretty horrific photos and videos out of New York. Like, are you guys are okay? Oh, you're talking about the flooding. I, I'm talking about the flooding, yes. I mean, yeah, I think... I, just speaking for myself, the only stupid thing I did was try to – I kept a dinner meeting last night uh, <laughs> and then wound up trying to get home just as we, I was getting alerts on my phone being like shelter in place. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got to get on the subway. Uh, so I destroyed a backpack and uh, was soaking wet and lost an umbrella and came pulled into my subway station with it flooding. Oh, <laughs> But uh, I was lucky to get home. Okay. Uh, no flooding in my apartment, though. I'm luckily on the fourth floor. Okay. And Joanna, you did okay? Yeah, no. Uh, very luckily, kind of unscathed by the flooding as well. We're on the seventh floor. But um, it was not pleasant walking my dog in the monsoon. Oh, <laughs> he did crazy. not like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a lot of flooding. I can barely get my dog to go out in the rain, period. Which is not yeah, great same. here much of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like it's Seattle, man. It's true. Although, not we don't quite get the uh, the you know torrential downpours. So I mean, it I was really, it was really insane. I have to say, it was yeah. really insane. Yeah. It was so heavy and for so long. Yeah, yeah. I've never really seen it rain like that before. I mean, and I know what what makes it even more insane is I guess we had the hardest rain we've ever had uh, in New York. Ever? Two weeks ago, when oh, yeah, when oh. Hurricane uh, Henry was Henri Henri. <laughs> came through and uh you know for like an hour i think they said it rained he- heavier than it ever had in central park and it was like one point like one five inches or something and then they said that last night it tripled that in one hour yeah oh, in central God. park so like <laughs> you th- th- just think about how quickly that happened back to back um yeah so you know we have so- we have some we have some employees who did have some flooding so yeah um you know i'm hoping you know we're trying to help them out but uh not uh you know besides that not a lot on did you at least drink anything exciting at your at your dinner meeting uh i had the worst margarita i've ever had oh well this is at least a good story is it was it because it was it was only uh you know like 50 percent drink were you eating outside was it 50 percent rain no we i feel comfortable eating inside in new york because of the mandatory vaccination sash Uh after show Mm -hmm. uh no it was indoors and it was really bad Shots fired, Jean George. Shots fired. Oh, why was it bad? Uh, it was just terrible and unbalanced. Okay, it was at ABC Kachina. He's he's big enough okay. that I can say the name of the place. Um, mm, sure. and it was it was like it was supposed to be. It's like I hate when people try to get cute with it. You know mm. what I mean? So it was like <laughs> this is our version of a Mexican street corn margarita. And I was like, oh, oh. but you know what? I shouldn't have done it. But I was like, I'll take you the ordered bait. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll take the bait. <laughs> And I ordered it, and it was like just, and I, it was just, it was bad. It like didn't taste like sweet corn at all. Didn't taste like anything, just sugar. Uh, there was no essence of corn. There was no essence of like the smokiness of like this, you know, the cojita cheese or anything. It just was like not good. And I should have known better. I should have been like, this is marketing, and this is they're, they're trying to dupe me here. But I yep. fell for it. But you know what? 
good podcast content. So yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you fell for it. <laughs> I was like, why are we doing this? Just made me a solid margarita. And it was funny because like, one of the only times I've ever been honest in my life when the server came by, she's like, how's the margarita? I was like, not good. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing good here. I was like, I was like, it's not a good margarita. She's I should like, have oh, been so an emergency alert on my phone about this margarita. Forget yeah. the hurricane. <laughs> I was like, the flooding. Oh, but this margarita's worse. <laughs> so um, I should have, I totally should have known better. I'm, I was pretty upset with myself. But whatever. Fair enough. And it was the only cocktail I had. And then I realized it was starting to rain pretty heavily. And I was like, Can we, let's finish up our food really quickly so we can go yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> Joanna, how about you? Well, thankfully, we had lots of great things to drink in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think some standouts for me, uh, we went to the Kimball House for dinner. And that was just exceptional. And just I had a really, best. really nice um, daiquiri, take on a daiquiri. Uh. That was really good there. And also we went to Ticonderoga Club, which was an interesting experience as well. But I think the best thing I had there was the Knotsman, which was a delicious take on a gimlet, mm. which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then, of yeah. course, we had plenty of outstanding wine all weekend. I would imagine. So anything yeah. that uh, <laughs> is, is worth uh, shouting out or uh, just uh, kind of generic, always good? We drank a lot of wine. I mean, I think I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, drank so much wine. I'll, no, no, I'll, I'll shout one out. I had Brendel for the first time. Uh huh. Hey, um, you can listen to my interview with Cassandra Felix on the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, ago. and the wine was really good. I really enjoyed it, was. and I got to meet Cassandra in person, um, and that yep. was awesome. Um, so that was probably for me. That was the standout wine that I had. There was a lot of <laughs> great ones, but that one I I hung out at her table for a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you yeah, Sandra's pretty awesome, and it's and it is very good wine and an interesting kind of project to to sort of emphasize not not Cabernet Sauvignon in in Napa. Which yeah, it's is, very interesting. It's bold, <laughs> very and bold. cool, very bold. So yeah, what about you, Zach? What's going on, man? Speaking of previous podcast topics, I got to have some birthier wine uh, over the weekend. <gasps> we um, saw that. Yeah, I saw that on amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted you guys to know it's important. Like, is he tagging me to be a dick or <laughs> no? I, I, just, just, I, was, I was like, is this is he is he just bragging here? <laughs> I mean, let's be well, yes, let's be clear, but... folks. Adam sees all my Instagram stories anyhow, so I didn't really. That's what I do. thought. That's why I was like, why did I get tagged? <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Um, I you know, so uh, yeah, I had uh, an eighty three Riesling from the Mosul, and you know, I gotta be honest, it was all right. It, it wasn't your it wasn't your sweet corn daiquiri or a sweet corn margarita experience, but I'm not sure it was your your uh, Kimball Club uh, daiquiri either, uh, Joanna. It was like uh, it was fine. Each Riesling is I actually sometimes really like this one. Was a little light on like complexity. It was kind of a little one note, maybe a little bit past its prime. No no comments about my age, please. Um, and uh, but but you know it's just like there you know you get a wine like that and you're like how do you not get like a little bit excited about it like it's cool it's cool and so i've actually in, in, in keeping with this theme i actually spent some money on some birthier wine for me and my wife because she was like so you know you just talked about this on the podcast um why don't we have any wine for my birth year which is uh not all that dissimilar from mine but uh, you know, not <laughs> the same one uh, and we I don't really have anything of mine either other than some port and so i was like okay fine so i scoured some uh some options and bought a few bottles so uh you know maybe in, in Where did you go days. to find them, Zach? Uh, you know, it's actually worked out kind of well. Um, I got a an email from uh, one of these. Uh, basically, uh, uh, I have this. I get these emails from time to time from people who are 
uh, like liquidating sellers or, or trying to clear out sellers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, basically like, here's everything we're selling. Are you interested? And it's not just to me, obviously this goes out to a bunch of different people. Um, but I normally sort of like, don't even bother. Cause most of it's like, do I want to, would I like to buy, you know, back vintages of, of Grand Cru Burgundy? Yes. Can I? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, well, I'll take a look at this one. Cause it had just come up and I was like, Oh, there's some like 83, I think 83, some, maybe I think I got some like Grand Reserva Rioja, which was you know, like not cheap, but not crazy expensive. Right, and I was right. like, what the fuck? Right. Like I'll give it a try. And, and if it sucks, well, you know, then that, then, you know, what I've learned something there. And if it's great, that's awesome. Learned and if it's a valuable between, lesson. Yeah. So yeah, it was actually kind of fortuitous timing that this email, which, you know, I get probably like a few of these a year. It wasn't like they come every day, but right. someone was trying to clear out their seller and, you know, we'll see. I have not yet got my hands on the wine. So mm. interesting. We'll see. And so are they, is it when these, you get these emails, are they usually people based in Seattle and then that, or could they be usually, anywhere? yeah. In the, in the, in the broader, I think I've, I think most of the, mostly it's like, uh, you know, Seattle and the, and the surrounding areas. I think I've gotten a couple of them from people in, uh, California, but I mean, I'm not interested in trying to figure out logistics. I don't want, if I'm buying wine out of someone's cellar, I don't then want them just like shipping at UPS or something. No, so, no, that into UPS, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't really dived all that deep into this world, but I mean, there's a crazy world of like, yeah, seller liquidation, auction wine mm-hmm. and, and other things too, you know, spirits and stuff. And it's like, you know, people with much deeper pockets than me, you know, this is where they buy their wine. Some of them, you know, they just, they just keep their eyes open for this kind of thing and let someone else have done all the work cellaring it. And then they buy it, which, Hey, you know, good for them. That's awesome, man. Uh, if you want to like ship me a bottle of one of the 83s you bought, <laughs> but you know, if you make yeah. it out to Seattle, I, I can, I, we can, we oh, can, you could share it. Happen. Yeah. Aww. Or I'll maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, uh, when I come to New York, I'll, I'll pack a bag. Just don't bring the Riesling. I don't need a Riesling. Okay. That's fine. I didn't buy any Riesling. I'll be, I'll be honest. Sweet. It's probably why it wasn't very good. Uh, anyways, uh, we all know how I feel about Riesling. So (laughs) this week we wanted to talk uh, a little bit about, you know, the future of restaurants in this, in winter really. And, and what, what winter will look like in this sort of vaccination state that we're in with COVID. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, you know, believed we're very hopeful that we would be through COVID by now. Um, and that's clearly not the case. And so no. we want to sort of just have a conversation about, you know, will this look very similar to last winter? Will it look a little bit different? You know, wh- where do we think things are headed? I definitely think last winter in New York, you, the majority of people were eating outside under heaters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really the the main way that people were dining. Yes, there were some people who were dining indoors, but not as many. But the thing that's changed in most markets, right, is that most restaurants have gone back to full capacity inside. They mm-hmm. still are having outdoor dining options. But last year, the reason I think a lot of people also dined outdoors, even in the winter under heat lamps, was because the indoors were only 20% capacity, right? So either you didn't feel comfortable or like you just couldn't get a table indoors, right? Because some of these places with 20% capacity means they maybe only had four tables inside. That's definitely changed, uh, you know, in the last few months, whether it should have or shouldn't have, we're not here to debate that. Right. Um, So, you know, where do you, what do you both think the winter looks like for, uh, for restaurants and bars? I don't know. I think that it's not going to look much different from perhaps what we're experiencing now. I think mm-hmm. proof of vaccination hopefully will will be more widespread than it is. Yeah. Um I know in it's required in New York, but coming back from Atlanta, I don't think 
anybody asked us for our not a single place vaccination cards. Um, so yeah, and I think you know per, maybe diners will be more confident as well as they get boosters. Um, boosters become more available this year at the end of this year, um, and luckily those structures I think for the most part in New York City are still up. Um, so I think people will, you know, have that decision to make as well if they'd like to be inside uh, or if they want to dine outdoors. And, and yeah, I guess it's a good question of like what restaurants will actually do in terms of capacity and if they'll change that or not. Yeah, I think the two biggest questions, well, I should, yeah, maybe the three biggest questions that, that have been kicking around my mind on this are one, are people going to be as sort of like game for whatever as they mm-hmm. were last year, right? You know, people last year were by by November, December, January, were so fatigued, were so tired of being stuck at home that they were like, "It's thirty seven degrees and raining, but you have a you have cover, you know, a cover and a heat lamp. Fuck it, I'll eat outside. I don't care. I don't know that that is going to be the case this year. But at the same time, I also don't know are there going to be a significant number of people who, even if vaccinated, even if they've got a third shot are they going to be afraid of dining indoors again? I mean, I I think, you know, we are in a weird period where, you know, the way I felt a month ago or two months ago is not necessarily how I feel now. I think we have a lot yet to still learn about, you know, lots of elements of this disease and its continued presence. And, and I think the can, you know, kind of along with that is the real question of like, you know, we had a period, a, a sort of almost, honeymoon period in a weird way to put it of, you know, this great level of, of support and, you know, appreciation for the restaurant and bar industry. Mm-hmm. And we found pretty quickly that like, once people got back to, you know, people got vaccinated or places opened up again, like people that, that whole like soft, you know, soft focus kind of, you know, lovey attitude dropped real quick. And we heard and see, saw innumerable horror stories of people just being, terrible guests, you know, both maybe specifically revolving around things with masks and vaccinations, but just in general, right? And man, I can tell you, you know, we have talked a number of times on this podcast, it has been talked about ad nauseum, but I still think it is not widely appreciated how many people who have worked in this, in the service sector are just fucking over it. And like, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. talked to so many people I used to work with, who are just like, I'm not going back. And, you know, we've had this conversation at times on this podcast, but man, it is going to get, you know, it is right now places are getting by on short being short staffed, being, you know, working people hard, hoping that it gets better. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be, I I honestly think this winter could be worse than last winter. I mean, in a a whole host of ways. I don't mean disease wise per se. The disease Mm -hmm. obviously has a big thing to a big part of it. But to me, it's like man, everyone is beaten down, you know? And I think so many people, and this isn't just restaurants, this is all of us. So many of us thought we were through it, right? We thought by this time now, you know, September, 2021, you know, life would be kind of back to normal. And in in some small ways it is, you know, my, my kids going to school next week for the first time, but like in a lot of big ways and a lot of small ways, it's not that different, but we're all, we all thought it would be right. And so there's a less, much less sense of we're all in it together. I think there's a lot more anger. So it's interesting, like right before, like as we were starting this podcast and I was sort of introducing the topic, I was ready to say, 
that I thought one of the things you were going to see was going to be a massive rollout of vaccines required to dine inside, you know, outside of New York and, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco and a few other places. And then Joanna reminded me of Atlanta. <laughs> and I started thinking, wow, because my thought process first was like, huh, you know, a lot of places have gotten away, Florida, et cetera, with just having this abundance of outdoor seating. And But actually, those places people have been sitting inside all summer too because it's hot mm-hmm. and they haven't been checking. Why would they go to start checking in the winter? And I think, yeah, like what's going to actually wind up happening is you're going to see there's going to be even more of a divide of regions of the country. And you're going to see mm-hmm. places like New York, Boston, you know, San Francisco, Seattle, LA really clamp down and say, this is what it takes to keep the the city open. It's mandatory vaccination to come into offices. It's mandatory vaccination to, you know, go to theater, to go to restaurants, et cetera. There's going to be a whole host of the country that's going to keep moving. Like it's not, you know, it doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are going to be a lot of outbreaks. Um, and I think in those regions, it will be interesting to see if there is more of a sort of departure of service staff employees. Yeah. Do they leave the world of service? Like, you know, if I was a server in Atlanta, I'd be over it. Yeah. You know, I really would. I'd be like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I... Atlanta is a cosmopolitan city. It's, you know, the largest city in the South, but so, you know, there's, there's a level of really of employee there in restaurants and bars that like they are career employees. Right. And they love this, they love this industry. And I can't imagine that they're happy right now. You know, I can't imagine that they are like, Oh no, this is fine. Like this is personal freedom, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know what will happen in those sectors. And in New York, I think you'll still see a lot of people fresh air, but I think you'll see more things open, um, actually. I think that in New York, if things kind of stay the way they are now, the general you know, consensus I get for most people is that they feel safe enough. They don't feel like mm-hmm. super safe, but they do feel safe enough. And I think that like these this mandatory sort of vaccination having to show proof, et cetera, is really helping that. And the fact that the city's almost 80% vaccinated. Yeah. Amongst obviously over, you know, people over 12, I think, or 16 or whatever. Um, but like that's making people feel better. And I'm seeing lots of businesses open. You know, like I was just walking down the street this morning and like the neighborhood where Vine Pair's offices are. And like, there's three new restaurants that are coming in and there's a new bakery that just opened. And I think people are trying to start new businesses because they're also sort of feeling like it, feels okay. And I think in other places you'll see, still see just as many closures as you, we have the entire pandemic. Well, and I think a fascinating thing too is, is are you, you know, the fatigue I was talking about, I think it's important to, to note too, isn't all just about individual people or even individual businesses. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot of the things that were done at a governmental societal level to make as much as possible that period of time, you know, survivable for businesses. You know, I talked to, by the time you all are listening to this, the, my interview with Lyndon Pride, one of the co-owners of Cafe Dante uh, will be on the podcast feed. And we talked about how frustrating it was for him, for the city, for New York to stop, you know, to know, to make, to go cocktails illegal again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and 
again, it, it, we don't know what the future will hold in terms of the disease and, and what you're saying now might be true, Adam, but it could be that in October, November, December, you know, people are less comfortable dining out. Maybe there are only, you know, there are fewer outdoor seating options that seem remotely pleasant to people. Is the state, is the city going to be responsive to that and, and make these things legal again? Or have we kind of moved into this weird phase where like the sympathy that was there, the the recognition that like, that mm-hmm. you know, kind of extreme action had to be taken to try and protect these industries. Mm-hmm. People are just like, yeah, whatever, you know, I could go to a bar now if I want. So that means bars must be fine. Like that is, I think the thing that I'm concerned about is, is, you know, it, it was so easy for people who are not connected to this industry. And I don't mean you guys, I mean, like, you know, just the average American who, whose connection to restaurant industry, bar industry is, they go to them sometimes Mm -hmm. to think, well, I mean, you know, places are open again, or, you know, vaccines are available now. So everything must be fine. And just, just think that a, that that makes up for a year plus of that not being the case in a lot of these places. And the reality that the situation was not guaranteed to continue to improve as we've seen. And so, I just wonder if there's going to be appetite for, you know, things that help people out, you know, that help individuals, you know, workers Mm -hmm. and, and help businesses out because I got to say, I'm not optimistic about that. And that, and that, Mm -hmm. you know, that whereas winter of 2020 restaurants and bars were the crisis in them was, was seen and understood and talked about. I feel like this winter it's going to be, no one's going to talk about it. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking about this is, you know, there was a lot of noise made about cocktails to go in New York a few months ago when they got taken away. And I think, I mean, Joanna, they kind of just, like that noise has kind of disappeared, right? Like, I feel like oh, yeah. you don't hear about it at all anymore of like how it needs to come back. I mean, you know, and the, I think the state legislatures moved on. I think they think yeah. that they kind of dodged a bullet there. And you know, Zach, you're yeah, probably just right. having your governor embroiled in a scandal kind of <laughs> probably doesn't help. Away. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's so interesting to think about because yeah, that was also really funny. We forgot about cocktails to go till we went to Atlanta, and a lot of restaurants were still really selling them hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like at Ticonderoga Club, you know, our server came over and she was like, "By the way, like you could, you can get daiquiris to go if you really want. You know, if you want if you want to take it to go cocktail." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, right, you're still allowed to sell these." Yeah. Um, and it was, that was really interesting, but yeah, I think that it remains to be seen, right. Uh, you know, how many restaurants in New York, I think one of two things could happen. You could either have restaurants in New York say, you know, we're, we're all about providing equal amounts of service. So we're going to try as much as we can to support our outdoor dining facilities and mm-hmm. heating them well and having all that to, to sort of provide people who don't feel safe but still want to eat out. Or I think you could see also a lot of restaurants in New York saying, like, we're, we're checking vaccine cards now. Like, we're back open inside. Like, we, our servers don't want to be out serving in the freezing cold. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Like the few servers we have anyway. Right. Like, we don't, want, we don't want the food sitting on, you know, in the freezing cold and getting a bad Yelp review because your pasta got cold in two minutes. Right. So like, we're just going to basically say, yeah, whoever wants to come and dine, come on in and hope that there's enough New Yorkers that do. And yeah. I think in New York, there could be, um, sure. I mm-hmm. really do. I mean, it's, it's weird to me to see how crowded places have been. Again, there definitely has been some slowdown mm-hmm. since the Delta variant. Um, I definitely have seen less, but I mean, in certain neighborhoods, it's still really crowded. So I, I don't know. You know, I mean, like you're reading the story about 
you know, Hurricane Ida, I was reading about it in the New York Times uh, this morning. And one of the anecdotes they're giving is that the audience who was there, who was watching Passover on Broadway was getting the alerts and that the audience, it was full capacity, completely sold out. Wow. Right. So people are clearly going to sit inside crowded theaters because they feel comfortable because of the vaccine card, yeah. you know, and there, you know, people aren't doing that maybe as much in other places. I think also the fall is going to be a really good judge, you know, like what happens with sports and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, does this thing really explode or not? But I also think like, you know, it's important in, in this conversation to talk about the fatigue and the, the fatigue that is unique to like, I don't know if you guys have ever taken the, the best, exa- the best analogy I can have is have you guys ever done like any, like uh, group workout classes, like a, you know, wh- whatever that yes. might be. I hate them. <laughs> so I think I, them. I mostly enjoyed them, but a thing that I, that would happen from time to time that I would hate is, you know, the, the instructor would be like, okay, you know, we're going to do three more rounds of this. And then you finish rounds and be like, just kidding. We're gonna do one more. Oh, I hate and them. I fucking hate that. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, man. That's why my I hate brain them. does not work that way. Don't play my games with me, not- fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and that to me is what this feels like. It feels like, yeah. and, and I think it's, it, and, and obviously th- that was lighthearted, but this is more serious. But the point is, you know, you guys had a really, so had a really bad trainer. That's what COVID is. <laughs> I know. Um, but for, for some of, for some of us, for so many people, I think it's like, you know, and this goes way beyond obviously the restaurant and bar industry. That's just what we're talking about. But it's like, I think so many people made it through the f- early part of this year, really believing things would get better. Mm-hmm. And that we would look back on this time period and be like, wow, that fucking sucked, but it is the past. And it is really hard, I think, not to talk about the fatigue, the depression, the the overwhelming kind of, you know, just hardship that comes with believing that this thing is nearly over. And especially if you are a, an employee, an operator who's been battered by this so, so severely to then suddenly go like, fuck, okay, again, okay. all right, we got to drag out the, you know, we got to, we got to, I mean, again, like I, you know, I have, you know, like people who are serving own rep- restaurants here in Seattle, you know, they're back to put, you know, they thought maybe we'd be able to be unmasked right now. It's back to mask mandates here, mm-hmm. uh, vaccinated or not. Uh, which is, I think the right thing is just hard and it's hard because you think it was over. And, you know, I had the thought, you know, th- I mean, again, this is not about restaurants and bars, it's just about COVID in general. You know, the other day I was, I, we got some new masks for my son because he's starting school. And I was like, a couple of them, I was like, oh, these are kind of big, but you'll grow into them. And I was like, that's a depressing fucking thought to have. Mm-hmm. That, like, yep. he's going to yeah. probably need these masks for a while. And yeah, he will grow into them. And so I just think like, you know, keep that in mind, people, you know, all of you, whether you're, whether you're in the industry, whether you're just a patron, like, you know, this winter, because of the fatigue of the last year and a half, I think is going to be really hard. The one thing I will say, though, as a positive, because I've been real negative on this podcast, is we know how to do this. You know, we don't have to invent everything whole out of whole cloth. And that I think is positive. And the vaccines, I mean, again, you know, are a real thing and they do make a real difference. And as you said, Adam, vaccine mandates, checking vaccination status, those things will make a big difference in limiting the truly, you know, worst downsides of all this. But it's, it's, yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, right? Because it does feel like it's just, yeah, we're we're like in Groundhog Day or something in a lot of ways, and I can see how yeah, it, fucking it's fucking terrible really... deja vu. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we didn't, you know, 
I, I didn't acknowledge, which I, I want to, is, you know, I feel safer because of the restaurant's checking vaccination status and like, you know, asking for the ID to, to prove, you know, especially with the Excelsior pass, I really do feel pretty safe. I think that the state of New York has done a really good job with that, Mm -hmm. but I need to recognize the stress that puts on the staff even more that now, like they're having to check someone's vaccination status, which probably means that in a lot of time, in a lot of cases, they are going to encounter someone who is very upset about that fact. Yeah, I went to the right. I went to a restaurant the other night and we were talking to the host and he said that there's a lot of reluctance and a lot of anger around giving presenting a vaccination card. Yeah. And I just feel so bad. I mean, right. uh, never mind the people who are forging them. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. And you know, there's and the reluctance I think is coming from a lot of reasons, right? Like some people like I was talking to to a, a server who said that they had someone react pretty poorly about being asked for their ID. Like, wait, you don't believe this is me? Which I think, you know, like I'm already, have to sh- I'm already having to show you my medical information and now you don't believe that this is me. And then uh, another friend of mine in the industry said that they had an encounter with someone who like felt judged by like when they got their vaccination because oh right? huh. it shows the date and everything on it right? and thought that like the server was judging them. Like, I don't care when you got your vaccination. I'm just glad you have one. You know, like, I don't, right. really, I don't care because it had been uh, pretty recently mm-hmm. <laughs> that they, mm-hmm. that the person had gotten it, I guess. And so like, thought that it made them look like, like the, I guess the service that that person thought that it made them look like an anti-vaxxer or, you know, that mm-hmm. was sort of the, and yeah. that's all that stuff is issues that people are, are encountering apart from the, just the random person that probably has walked up to a lot of people that listen to this podcast who work in service industry and said, fuck you for checking this. I'm not getting it. This is stupid. And like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause you know, that's happened too. Yeah, and yeah. that's just like added abuse that's happening at these, these places of business. that's just not okay. Well, and it's, it's also stuff that, people are neither trained for nor compensated for no. properly. Like it's yeah. just, it, it's an, it's a, it's an, you know, I, I certainly had in my service career more than my, more than a few, you know, unpleasant encounters with people when checking their ID because they've ordered alcohol. Right. And some people get really, that gets really fraught. And that's the thing that, you know, for the most part, people are accustomed to and expect there's a minimum legal drinking age in this country. And most people are aware of that. And like, you know, if you are not very, you know, if, if, kind of at almost any point in life, but certainly if you're relatively young and you go out to a bar or a restaurant and you order a drink and you don't have your ID, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a surprise. And, you know, like I said, I've had plenty of those confrontations in my career, which are never fun, but they're also like relatively, you know, they're, they're, no one's, you know, health is at risk. This is, you know, not just putting, and individuals, but the the staff, the rest of the diners, you know, it's it's really messy. And and again, this is where I just I, I come back to this notion that like we're all fatigued. A lot of people's sympathy has worn thin. A lot of people are frustrated. They're bored. They're you know whatever. But it's so shitty to take that out on the person serving you or check or you know or, or checking you in or whatever. Like yeah, they have no control over this, especially when it's a a city or state level mandate, and you taking it out on them is about as you know it's just it's just terrible it's really it's so uh uncalled for be good guests please good guests well guys this was an interesting conversation uh we'd love to hear what you think as a listener just email us at podcast at finepair.com give us your thoughts like what you think might change or stay the same uh this winter and uh we'd love to share it with other with uh the rest of you next time we record the show zach joanna talk to you next week 
Thanks, guys. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.